All right. Good morning, Rock Bible Church. It is good to see you. It's good to be here. Fun to hear all the things that are going on uh, and coming up and went on. Um, there's even yet another announcement. There was a work day here yesterday, and a bunch of stuff got cleaned and moved and set up and the whole thing, lots of people. So thanks for all those uh, that continue to do uh, that stuff. Um, but it was it was uh, it's fun to to be back here and uh, and be home. I I took a quick trip and uh, went off to see some family for a little bit, and it was kind of last minute, and then got in last night, and so need to be back with the family. Amen. I have probably no big deal to you guys. Well, I've been here all week. It's nothing nothing different. <laughs> um, we're gonna keep going and actually finish. We're gonna terminate. We're gonna culminate our series in the book of Colossians, the last few uh, verses of chapter 4 in our series on the book. And uh, we're going to look at it, and I kind of want to wrap up some kind of thoughts and, and get to the final point. And Paul um, Paul kind of, I think, makes it clear. Now, it's a little bit hidden in a list of people and thanks and greetings and such. But within that, he embeds um, some really pretty key concepts, and I think really wrap up the whole book of, of what he's been telling this church um, and apparently has been telling other churches. We're going to see that this morning too in the passage when we when we get into it. Um, let's pray and then we'll get going. Lord, thanks for this morning and thanks for uh, your word, for what we got to sing already, the things we got to hear about how you're working. I pray, Lord, that we would always assume you're working. Always be looking for what you're doing, that what we're saying, we would believe that you are the God of the present, and pray you would help us to live in the present, and see you as the author, see what you're writing, how do we get involved, how do we imitate what you're doing. I pray, Lord, that uh, as we look at your word this morning, that it would help us in that. We thank you for what was written, preserved, and kept for us to contemplate work on, uh, edify us. And so I pray, Lord, uh, that you would use what we do this morning uh, to glorify yourself, honor your son, uh, and work on us. And so I pray this all in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Colossians chapter 4, verse 7. I want to thank uh, Brent for um, uh, being here last week and and doing the first part and and of chapter four, um, and then I'm I'm looking forward to wrapping this up. And verse seven, I know I know why Brent stopped at verse six last week, because at verse seven, what's the first word? He didn't want to try. See, you didn't you didn't want to try to uh, pronounce it right. Tychicus, Tychicus, Tychicus. I I don't know. It's all Greek to us, right? Um, no, really, it was more so it's about this list of people. Paul's going to, he's ending his letter, and he's, you know, he's kind of giving his sign-off. Oh, by the way, say hi to so-and-so. And don't forget, uh, you know, to turn off the stove when you leave the house. You know, all these little things. Uh, he's kind of cleaning house as he's wrapping up his letter. Um, but as we do that, I want us to see how he describes some of these people and I want to point out some little things that could sneak right by it unless you're really paying attention. Um, 
we're, li we're living in a culture in this passage where Christianity is starting to become dangerous. Um, in fact, Paul's going to say at the very end, he's going to say, hey, remember my chains. Uh, which means things aren't going well for Paul. Now, why is that? Uh, because he's old and ill of health or because he ran out of money? No. Uh, he follows Christ. He makes sure everybody knows. He travels all over the world making sure people know he's building churches and Rome doesn't like it. In fact, they're going after Christians. Uh, they're turning them into food, actually. They want you to play with the lions and kind of thing. Um, and it's, it's getting dangerous for Christians. And so what we hear in the next uh, 12 verses, we want to remember that's it, that they're doing all these things in the face of danger, in the face of threat. Uh, uncertainty. Talk about a hey, God of our present, God of our future. They're kind of wondering about the present and the future because everything was at risk. So uh, when he names Tychicus, guess who's in print now? They find that letter. Do the Romans know who to look for now? <laughs> Whoops. So there's, there's, uh, there's really some mixed value in what's going on here. Some of this is great. It's a great testimony as to who they were and what they did. Some of it actually puts them uh, at death's door in some way. Uh, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities, he says. So Tychicus is coming to them. He's going to go to Colossae. He's going to visit to the church. Paul can't. He's in jail. Uh, so his travels are suspended for, the, for a while. He is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. Uh, that's a nice long way of saying he's a Christian. And not just a Christian, he actually tries. He's been doing it for a while, right? Faithful, that happens over time. Uh, minister, that means you're acting on it. And then uh, beloved, probably he knows how to love. Uh, those are the people that get loved are the ones that know that how to love, right? Which, by the way, if you're having trouble being loved, try loving the great equation actually works. Uh, verse 8, I have sent him to you for this very purpose. What's the purpose? So that you understand what Paul's activities have been. <laughs> Some of that's to figure out how did he get in trouble. So maybe you can avoid getting in trouble. But mostly it's about how are we spreading this news of this Savior? How are we starting churches? And we're going to find out um, kind of in some interesting ways uh, how that's happening. And he says this, I, I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that we may encourage your hearts. Encourage your hearts. Uh, does that sound like the church at Colossae has done? They've arrived. They've, they finally figured it out. We're good. If they need to be encouraged or if they're going to be encouraged, they're being encouraged towards future, towards next, towards some type of growth or improvement or some extra thing they could do. Uh, I like the word next. What's next? Right? It implies that something's coming. Uh, encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus. Whoops. Now we got two guys we can go find. Our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. Who's one of you? Hey, prodigal son's coming home. Hey, your buddy you used to know back when you were in school, he's coming back. Is that why? Is it, hey, somebody like you, 
by the way, why does he put that in there? Who is one of you? Now here's, here's what I think is going on there. He's like you. He's like you. And he's a beloved brother. He's faithful. He's a servant. He ministers like Tychicus. What's the implication? If he could do it, so could you. There's an encouragement here. Why? Because the prevailing wind is to let's set Christianity to the side. Let's be safe. Let's go into hiding. Let's go dark. Let's go underground. What's Paul trying to say? No, let's get louder. Let's live our faith out in the open. Let's be vocal. Let's be loving. Let's minister to other people. Let's serve. But we're not going to do this in, in hiding or behind closed doors. And you can do it too. Why? He's one of you. Right? They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. So apparently there's quite the story. Anybody want to make an attempt at that name? Verse 10. Well, there's Ari, there's Star, and Cuss. Let's do that. Ari Starkus. How about that? All together now. Ari Starkus. Okay. Uh, my fellow prisoner greets you. I'm not alone. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. He's still giving them ideas and instructions, guidance. Hey, let's keep this going. I want you to start, keep talking to Mark and, you know, him from Barnabas. And by the way, Aristarchus is in this with us too. Uh, are, are we naming the whole team now? What's that mean? It means you have a team. Not only can you do it because he's one of you, but you're not alone. I tell you what, there's times where I don't want to be alone. This week. Couldn't be alone. I had my two brothers with me. It was a great time. In a lot of ways. But with what we were dealing with, just can't be alone. And, and Paul knows that. There's times you just can't do it on your own. And Jesus, who is called Justice, you know why they call him Justice, right? Because they didn't want to confuse him with this Jesus that they're, Right? And justice, they're the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. They're members of the circumcision. What's he saying? Uh, these people from another faith are starting to see the reality of what's really going on. How are they seeing that? Through other people. They say, uh, we're even getting uh, Jews are starting to think there might be something to this Jesus thing. They've been a comfort to me. Epaphras, verse 12, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you. Always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. Hey, he's praying for you. Why? And here's where we're going to get our kind of our purpose statement for the morning. That you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. That you may stand, what? Mature. Maturity. 
Um, I want you to get your outline out, look at the uh, back, open it up. There's an outline there for you to follow along. Um, you can do the fill-ins if you want. There's no test at the end. There is an ultimate final exam. I hope you're studying for it, as Mary Alice would say. Um, but I want you to look at the top there. It says Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18, and then it says what? Matured. What is the goal of what we're doing? What is the goal of Paul's letter? He says, hey, look, you're, we're, we're meant to be matured here. We're meant uh, to mature, be mature. God is calling us to that. So here's your fill-in. Jesus calls you to maturity so you can stand. What's he say? If we go back to the verse, uh, I want you to, um, that you may stand mature. God calls us to maturity in Christ that we start viewing things the way he views them, that we view things in light of the cross, that he came on the scene with a purpose, accomplished it, and then set kind of the ground rules. We say it this way at church, that he set us free towards something. Sweet, what is that something? Well, apparently to Paul, it's maturity. What's maturity look like? Well, gee, Scott, we don't have enough time for that. Good answer. But this is where God is calling us, what he's drawing us to, right? And then real quick, verse 13. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Heropolis. Now, who's he talking about? He's talking about this guy that's been praying, Epaphras, right? He's been praying for you. Why? So that you'll be mature. I love that. We um, have been looking at uh, all the chapters of this book, and I love what Paul has been going over. In fact, these past bunch of passages we've gone through, the first one said uh, that we were qualified for inheritance, that Christ qualified us, and what he did on the cross for an inheritance. That means we're in the family. Uh, Colossians 1, 15 through 29, we talked about the, file, the fact that we've been reconciled to reveal. Not, not just qualified us, but he made us right. Why? So that we could show something. Show who he is and show who we are and who we can be and therefore what others can be when they accept this qualification and this reconciliation. Third one we talked about is this idea of freed to walk. If you're, if you're qualified and you're reconciled, all of a sudden now you can walk freely, walk differently. Then we talked about uh, growing in value. As you start walking in your qualification and your reconciliation, you walk in a free way. You know what that does to you? It grows you. And, and you have more value added of what you bring to the table, what you bring in an environment. When you walk in a room, how does it change? Do people start leaving? Or they smile? Right? Uh, next one we talked about was renewed for love. As you're growing and reconciled and qualified, all of a sudden you start being renewed. You start to, when you grow in value, you start to recognize value. What you see in other people, you see imperfection and you value it. Great, great concept that Paul brings out there, this being renewed for love. And then fitted for service. Now you can really accomplish some things. 
And Paul's telling this church, this is what you're to be. This is what Christ has called you to. How are you serving? How do you minister? Uh, and then Brent talked about last week the idea that we're transformed for change. Sometimes things need to change. Here's the one that hurts. Most of the time, what needs to change? You do. Not them, not the others, not the policy, not the service times, <laughs> not, not the bylaws, you know, not the staff, not your family, not your spouse, maybe your kids. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. But why all of this stuff? Why all these seven concepts of progression? To get to maturity. I asked you a few minutes ago, well, how, do you, how do you do maturity? What, what's maturity look like? And then I jokingly said, oh, good question. We don't have enough time for that. Yeah, we do. We have seven sermons that lead you up to maturity of how you get there, how we recognize it, how we define it. But I want you to see um, uh, something else here because it's actually embedded in the passage. And we see in verse 8, it says, encourage. I said, we're writing these things. Why? To encourage you. Uh, maturity looks like encouragement. Uh, verse 9, it says, be faithful. Verse 11, it says, comfort. Verse 13 that we just finished says, work hard. It didn't say all that stuff about us. No, it didn't. It said it about them. And then Paul told you all of these people, Tychicus, Epaphras, on Onistarchus, Aristarchus, did I get that right? Okay. Uh, they were the ones that were working hard and encouraging and doing all things. They set the example. Why? So that you could be mature. If that's the example of maturity, then those list of four things, is it a comprehensive list? No, but it's in the equation for sure. Are there more things that we could add to that? I mean, if we really wanted to nitpick and wordsmith, could we throw love in there, right? Beloved brother, service, minister. Well, we got faithful already. There's a bunch of other words, but then there's other things that aren't even in this passage. We can go back to the previous seven messages and the previous three and a half chapters that we've gone over and we can find little action items of how we can be mature. And in all those things, when we do them, it helps us stand. I love that he says, stand firm in the maturity, right? Uh, bring us back to our uh, passage here. What's it say? It says that you may stand mature. I love that. Because when the event's over, I know you've heard this phrase before. Okay, you're going to finish it for me. Okay? When an event's over, I want to be the last man. I want to be the last man standing. I don't want to be done. I don't want to be fully spent. I want to go out to dinner. If, we, if we're working, we're accomplished something, but whatever, when you're done, you shouldn't be done done. You should be, all right, let's go get some protein and let our body start regenerating. Let's get some rest, maybe some sleep, and tomorrow we're back at it again. How do you do that? Because, folks, what we sang this morning was absolutely truth. It is as gospel, as doctrinal, as theological as it gets. Seasons happen. I think I'm going to get a bumper sticker. It's going to say, seasons happen. It's similar to maybe one you've um, seen before. 
there's this idea that we think we might not stand. We think in our present and our future, there's a, we're at risk of maybe falling. Help, I've fallen and I can't get up. Remember that commercial? I was sitting with my brother and sitting. We did not sit this week. Anyways, uh, I was talking with my brother and we were quoting little uh, commercials from our childhood back and forth. Hey, give it to Mikey. He hates everything, right? All these little phrases from commercials that we remember, all the marketing. New York City, get a robe. All these little commercials that we remembered. And he said to me, and he's my younger brother, like six years younger than me, David. He says, you know, commercials were kind of the memes of our generation. Now you got all these smartphones and people are shooting like pictures and songs and videos and all this stuff with text. And it's amazing what you can send back and forth on these smartphones. Back then, we had to watch TV and you couldn't pause it and you couldn't leave the room because you're going to miss the commercial. Right? And we have we had all these little things. Wonder if we we think we're actually going to stand. We're actually going to make it. I remember that commercial. I've fallen down and I can't get up. Was it Life Alert? Is it still out there? Yeah, they, they use it as a comedy thing now, right? Um, but what if we entertain this idea? Like God designed you in such a way as to grow and mature to where you could handle it. What if God made you tough, smart, enduring? Now, what if he also at the same time made it a process? Right? You come out of the womb, helpless. Pooper, peer, bar for sleep, reader. That's it. Right? But over time, you get to a place where you could accomplish some things. Why would God make you capable of accomplishing? Because maybe he wants you to go beyond standing. How about rather than just be standing at the end? How about still moving? Let's keep going. Because we're going to encourage and be faithful and comfort and work hard. And we're going to get to maturity. And we're going to be standing. Let's go to verse 14. Uh, Luke, here's another guy. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you. As does Demas, the beloved physician greets you. Oh, I love this one. It might be one of my favorites. We got a scientist. <gasps> what? Christianity and science? Apparently there was a doctor back then who thought it made enough sense scientifically that he was buying. That he's in. I've always said this. We got to make so we understand how science and faith mix. Why? Because God's the author of science. He's the inventor of science. It fits. We've just yet to know how it fits in certain ways. And then we as Christians need to be open to the idea that science might have to offer us some things rather than we just take them on blind faith. Why? Where'd science come from? So is it his tool? Would he use it? You mean in the present and in our future? Would he write it in our story? Okay, we're good with science as Christians, amen? We're just not good with Christian science. That's a different thing, okay? Um, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea. 
and to Nympha and the church in her house. Wait, what just happened there? I, I thought these people were at risk and isn't Paul in jail and if we put their names down, that's dangerous because now it could be tracked, the Romans can find them. What did we just do to Nympha? Not only did we name her, now, now we know where to find her. Find her at her house. Why? What's there? Woman started a church in her house. <clears throat> I Don't tell me that women aren't in the Bible and they're not top of the list. Absolutely love that. He says, hey guys, look at all these great guys. This guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. Oh, and by the way, she started a church in her house. Where's your church? <laughs> And I don't think he's like teasing them or mocking them or anything. I think he's trying to show a picture. All people can do this and, and do it in different ways that work well for you. Nympha decided she wanted to start one in her house. Is that good or bad? Say both. It's good in some ways. It's bad in others. It totally puts her at risk, right? The guys can go leave. They can leave her house and and run. Where's she going to go? Boy, she's put it all on the line. Church is at my house. Right? Absolutely love that. Um, and when this letter has been read among you, hmm, have it also read in the church in Laodice, uh, the Laodiceans. Where are we supposed to read this? Just at one church? Ooh, no, now you see why early Christians said, hey, maybe some of these letters should be kept and shared with other churches because if there's truth in it, more people should hear it. We get the start of New Testament kind of writing here now. Love that concept. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Here's the message for Archippus. Now, what do you know I'm going to do with this now? Is it just for Archicus? It's for us. We're meant to fulfill the ministry that we've received in the Lord. Why? Here's your feeling. God gave you a ministry to fulfill. God gave you a ministry to fulfill. Have you thought about it that way? Why reconcile you? Why qualify? Why free you? Why train you? Why all those other? Why do all of those things for you? So you can be comfortable and happy and retire in your Barca lounger and eat Cheetos? No. For you to be part of it. Enjoy it. I love some of the um, TV shows where you've got somebody in charge, you know, captain of the Enterprise or some of these other things. Uh, the leader of the mission in the military or the boss in the work environment and the underling comes to him and says, hey, got an idea. What if we blah, 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 blah. And we could pay for it by blah, blah, blah. And we could get staff over here, blah, blah, blah. blah. I love it when, when, the, when the boss says, see to it. Well, we're not going to have a discussion? No, you just discussed it. It was great. It, was, it sounds like there's a plan. Go, see to it. Just get it done. It's kind of what Paul's doing to the church, to the Christians, to us. Get mature. Recognize you're qualified. Enjoy your inheritance. Start growing. Walk like it. Act free. Redefine all this stuff. And let's get busy. 
Let's get some stuff done. In fact, just see to it. See to what? Encouragement, faithfulness, comfort, hard work. It's all the same things. If God has called us to maturity so that we could stand, let's get after it. Where can you accomplish things? God, what are you writing in my story right now? God, how do you want me to approach this person? God, who do you want me to withdraw from? How would you like me to spend my time? What would you like me to do with my resources? Who around me needs to be served or ministered to or encouraged? Show me how. Show me how to work hard. Show me how to work hard. I'm, folks, I'm becoming a grumpy old man. I know it. It happened this week. Not all encompassing, just full transformation this week. But I made some movement this week in becoming grumpier and older. I'm really tired of laziness and people and excuses and complaining and don't email me. Don't email me. Don't text me. Don't bother me. Serve with me. Minister with me. Talk to me. Help me. Help others. Be an encouragement. Be faithful. Are you comforting or do you need comfort? Tell me what that is. But I'm going to sit at home and collect a check. No, we don't do that. I'm going to go to work and pretend I'm working. So I can collect a check. I was talking to a guy. It was talking about how he's having trouble because he can't find workers. So he's been hiring temp people. But the temp people come and they don't really work very hard. And he was making the joke that instead of collecting the check at home for disability, they just collect the check at their temp job. We work, folks. God has called us to bigger, brighter, greater, get stuff done. Amen? Uh, last one, right? Verse 18. Here we go. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. That's awesome. Really? That does, that's not what everybody does? No. What you need to understand is many, most, the large majority of Paul's letters, he dictated and someone else scribed it. Someone else wrote it. He had his secretary. Secretary, take some notes, please. And then he'd start talking. Right? On this one, he takes his own advice. I'm going to write the letter myself. Now, here's the thing. We know he's got another guy in jail with him. Right? We heard that a few verses ago. Who's in jail with me, in chains with me? I guarantee you. He, Paul was the leader. He could ask that guy. That guy would have wrote the stuff down. Paul says, no, I'm writing it to you in my own hand. Why? Because it needs to be personal. And Paul is maturing. And he says that phrase, that earlier famous one from earlier today I was mentioning, remember my chains. Remember the reality that we live in. And then what does he say? Grace be with you. I mean, I love grace. I don't know how she's going to accomplish that. Just be with everyone. It says grace be with you. What, what does that mean? Does that mean 
I hope everything is gracious to you or that you bring grace. That grace be with you when, wherever you are. Or how about it means both. Amen? Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Um, Let's look at this last fill-in. You see, he says, uh, fulfill the ministry. Verse 17, he says, fulfill the ministry. And full ministry is related to full assurance. I had a hard time with this one this week. I don't want to talk about this right now. Full ministry is related to full assurance. He says, hey, don't forget, tell, uh, what's his name? Tell Archippus, see to it that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. You have received something from God, marching orders, see to it, right? The boss, that you fulfill your ministry. Fulfill ministry is full ministry. If you fulfill your ministry, you're experiencing a full ministry. What's that related to? Because I want to do that, okay? I don't know if you know this. I'm a lead pastor at a church. I preach most Sundays. I want this to go well. I want this ministry to be full. And what, I, what I'm having trouble with this week is this idea of what he says in verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature. We spent some time on that, right? Stand mature. Why? And fully assured in all the will of God. That's what I'm struggling with this week. That's what I don't want to talk about today. Because I think Paul knows more than me. Safe bet? I think Paul knows that if you're going to fulfill ministry, that you need to buy verse 12. That you need to be fully assured in all of God's will. That he is touching all pieces. That he's writing the story of every season. The good ones and the ones I don't like. I'm, I'm changing the word bad. I'm, I'm eradicating it from my vocabulary. Because I want to call it bad, but if God's doing it on purpose during that season, and that I'm supposed to be assured of that season, even though I don't like it, maybe I shouldn't call it bad. Maybe I should try to be assured that he's still in it. I have to remember when it hits the fan, when it's ugly, when I don't like it, when I'm at the end of my rope. I need to remember the Savior who said, Let this cup pass from me. But not my will, your will be done. If you doubt, you're like a boat blown and tossed by the wind at sea. Let that man not expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Ouch! God's all or nothing? Yes. He's all in. I'm on the scene. I'm going to lay it all on the line. Now, are you going to buy all of his will? That's a rough one. 
the activities of this week for me, I'm going to need to process for a while, and they may preach some other day after I've processed them a little more. What I know is I have trouble in my assurance at times, and it compromises my ability to fulfill ministry. It compromises my ability to serve and comfort and encourage or respond correctly. I respond incorrectly at times. There's a few that might know about that. My job is, though, to continue to chase Christ, to chase the immaturity that he offers in him because he offers us more than the cross. <gasps> what? Yes, he more, he, the cross is the starting point, folks. It's the end point. Also, it's the alpha and the omega. It's the beginning and the end. But there's a lot of in between there. How do I carry my daily? And God wants us mature. He wants us standing. He wants us working. He wants us fully assured and accomplishing things. Amen? What do you need assurance of? Well, I, I don't know, but I definitely need some maturity. Yeah, that'll come. That's a process that'll take time. But what if your maturity is being held by your lack of assurance in something? You worried about your kid, your boss, your work environment, your status, your health, your money. What, what are you worried about? God says this, be anxious for nothing. Not my week. Not this week. He says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, through hard work and lots of research, no, no, no. Through prayer and petition. What's petition? Well, that's a, we get a lot of signatures. Is that a petition? We get the signatures in order to ask for something. Petition is an ask. Through prayer and asking, let your request, okay, request pairs with asking, right, so we know it fits. Let your request be made known to God. That's all it says. doesn't say how he's going to answer it. doesn't say when he's going to answer it. doesn't say if he's going to answer it the way you want it. It says this, and the peace of God will rule in your hearts the Christ Jesus, our Lord. Depending on which translation you memorize. Amen? Paul says, hey, church, see to it. This is what we're meant to do. Now you know why you love this book? I hope so. Ask God today, what do you need to be assured of? Amen. Lord, thank you for this morning. Uh, thank you for the complexity, clarity, and simplicity of your word, of your system, your plan, Paul's understanding of it, his explanation to us. I pray, Lord, that we would get it. that you would push us, pull us, comfort us, heal us, whatever is needed in the moment 
and then show us, Lord, what, what do we need to be more assured of? Help us in our definitions and our decisions. If you're here this morning, and maybe you just need to ask God something right now. What do you need to be assured of? What do you, what do you need to fix? What do you need to back off? What do you need to push forward? Tell him. Prayer and petition. Father, thanks for church, for home. Thanks for a church home. Thanks for this offering that we're about to receive. Lord, thanks for all the things you're doing, the announcement we got to her. Pray you bless it all and keep us out of our own way. We love you, Lord. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. I forgot one thing. Second service, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to say it's your second service extra. This idea of alternate reality. When you're doubting part of God's will, you're living in an alternate reality rather than in reality. When you have full assurance of all of God's will, of all the things he's doing in all people at all times, you work your way out of alternate reality. Amen. See to it. Go with him. <laughs>